Shalom and thank you for clicking to listen to one of our audio messages. At Tikvat David, we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. We hope that this message will encourage, inform, and inspire you to follow Yeshua and to walk in the pathways of Torah. Enjoy. Today we are starting a new mini-series. I'm calling it Preparing for the Fall Holidays, and the objective is to dedicate the next five uh, podcasts to discussing the holidays that we are getting ready to celebrate. And my hope that this is, is that this will be a meaningful refresher uh, for those who have experience with the holidays. And I'm also hoping that this will be a helpful introduction uh, for those of you who are new to celebrating the Jewish holidays. So our community at Tikvat David is very diverse. And so we have folks at all points in the spectrum. And I want to make sure that everyone feels the freedom to ask questions during uh, this time, and more importantly, outside of it. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me directly, rabbi at tikvatdavid.org, and I'd be happy to answer uh, questions or refer you, you to someone who can. But um, for our community, we want you to feel a sense of preparedness and confidence with the holidays. So uh, again, ask your questions, and we'd love to help you with it. So today, I want to start off broad with a general discussion about why the holidays are so important. And then we'll, you know, in the following weeks, we'll zero in on some specifics for the fall holidays that we're about to celebrate. So I think a good question to start with is, what are some reasons for disciples of Yeshua to celebrate the holidays? Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but uh, some of the thoughts that I have is that the holidays... Uh, some of the reasons are, one, it's a great time of prayer. It's a great time of worship. It's a great time to rest as uh, some of the, most of these holidays involve periods of rest or days of rest. It's a great time to study. And it's also a great time for personal reflection and really doing what we call a cheshbon nefesh, an accounting of the soul. So the bottom line is that the holy days are God's appointed times, his Moedim, to connect with him. And so those reasons I just gave are all, I would say, personal reasons why it's important for disciples of Yeshua to celebrate the holidays in general and the fall holidays in particular. But I would say there are also more global reasons to celebrate the holy days of the Bible. By celebrating them, we're really getting a head start on the kingdom. Uh, the prophets communicated that in the Messianic kingdom, the holy days will be universally practiced. So, of course, a famous text uh, about this is Zechariah 14, which speaks of the nations, not just the Jewish people, but the nations celebrating the Feast of Booths. Uh, Zechariah 14, 16 says, Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths, or also known as the Feast of Tabernacles, and in Hebrew we call it Sukkot. So that text, um, it's interesting, it only speaks of, of the nations uh, celebrating uh, Sukkot in that text, but uh, keep in mind that Isaiah also mentions all flesh coming to worship God, uh, from Sabbath to Sabbath. That's in Isaiah 66. So, so Isaiah is envisioning a day where new moons and Sabbaths are uh, time markers and, and are worship points for all humanity. So though Shabbat, the Isaiah 66 text and the Zechariah 14 text are the only mentions of the nations celebrating the holy days in the future, I do think it's fair to anticipate 
that the other holy days of the Bible would be practiced by all of humanity, at least on some level in the future kingdom. Now, uh, not everyone is convinced that the holy days are a good thing for disciples of Jesus to celebrate. So I want to talk about that for a moment. I'm curious about what objections you've either received directly or heard in relation to celebrating the holy days uh, as uh, a follower of Yeshua. So let's discuss some possible objections that people have. Um, some will, uh, one of the big objections that I've heard, so I say some, but this is, this is a big one. Uh, some will look to a text in Colossians 2 uh, as a way to, uh, and, and they will read it in a certain way that, uh, it, that it seems to be discouraging uh, the celebration of the holy days of the Bible. Uh, so that's Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. So let's read that text and discuss it. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. So, of course, the question is, is this text discouraging disciples from celebrating the Jewish holy days, uh, or is it affirming it? Well, the dominant um, viewpoint, I would say the majority viewpoint, is that this text in Colossians 2 is discouraging disciples from celebrating the Jewish holy days. I mean, I have had well-informed, uh, Bible-loving uh, well, pastors uh, refer to this text, and I even had one in particular tell me that celebrating the Jewish holy days is a threat to the gospel based on this text and others. So is that what this text is saying? And, and if it's not discouraging disciples from celebrating the holy Jewish holy days, then what is it saying? Well, again, sadly, this text has been marshaled frequently to discourage disciples from keeping Shabbat and the holidays. But my take is that the very opposite thing is happening here in Colossians 2. I think Paul is defending the Gentile recipients of this letter who are beginning to practice the Jewish holy days. Verse 18 in the text suggests that there were voices who were encouraging alternative forms of devotion, including what is mentioned, asceticism, and, and what else is mentioned in the text. But I think what Paul's doing here is defending uh, his audience. Uh, and, and their Jewish-ish observance of holy days and season in verses 16 and 17. He points to their observance as a shadow of things to come. And I would say that idea, that, that phrase, harmonizes with the voice of the prophets who spoke of the nations one day observing the holy days, as we discussed a few minutes ago. So I think Colossians 2 is in no way discouraging, but it is encouraging uh, the, uh, the the new Gentile disciples uh, in and around uh, Colossae, I think they were being encouraged to celebrate the, the holy days. Now, another objection for disciples celebrating the holidays is the concern that if Messianic Gentiles and or Christians celebrate the holidays, then, then they are appropriating Jewish-specific holidays and observances and sort of blurring the important distinction between Israel and the nations. Now, 
Um, I'd say we pretty much addressed that objection earlier by noting that the prophets envisioned a day when the nations would observe the holy days. So I think there's definitely a big place for Gentiles celebrating the holy days. But the concern or objection regarding Gentiles appropriating Jewish identity by celebrating the holidays, I would say that's not without some validity. And this objection uh, raises a question regarding how it should look for Gentiles to celebrate the Holy Day. So, okay, so we're establishing clearly, according to the prophets, uh, and and the way we read, or at least the way I read Colossians 2, is that it's an affirmation for Gentiles to be celebrating the Holy Days. But the question is, how should that look? And should Gentile observance of the Holy Days look any different from how Jews celebrate the Holy Days? Is there a difference regarding uh, how this approach should happen among Jews and Gentiles. Well, as I've made clear, I am 1,000% supportive of Gentiles celebrating the Holy Days. I think it's a prophetic, messianic reality the apostles assumed and certainly affirmed, even as I said with the Colossians 2 text. However, I do think some nuance is necessary as we think about this question. Um, and, and, and we're not trying to make this more complicated, but there's multiple issues at play here that we need to really think through carefully. Um, we can't just sort of have this this one law attitude that I understand there's a logic to it, but it's just like, well, you know, there's one law, and it's one law for God's people, and, and differentiating between Jew and Gentiles is discrimination, but that that's not right. That That is a, um unfortunate um, defense. Uh, differentiation and discrimination are not the same thing. Um, the discrimination is bad. Differentiation is a part of God's economy when it comes to men, women, Jews, Gentiles, priests, Levites, and so forth. So, and that is the case here when it comes to how we think about the holidays. There is a little bit of differentiation. For Jewish people, the holy days of the Bible, observance of the holy days, it is not an option. It is a covenant obligation. Um, and it is a matter of obedience to the Torah. Um, you know, again, I like to use that phrase, covenant obligation. And so um, that's then, you know, that's part of blessings and curses in the Torah are attached to Torah observance. And this is this is not an, you know, an option for Jewish people. However, I do not think that Gentiles have a covenant obligation to celebrate Shabbat, Passover, Sukkot, and the other holidays. The covenant at Sinai was made with the people of Israel not with all of the peoples slash nations of the earth. So the obligations and mitzvot communicated in the Torah with the associated blessings and curses only apply to the Jewish people. However, as we have noted, for Gentiles who have joined the commonwealth of Israel, to use Paul's phrase in Ephesians, and for Gentiles who now worship the God of Israel under the headship of Israel's Messiah, they now also are invited to celebrate the holy days which commemorate the redemptive acts done by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, uh, so so I'm saying, yeah, there, there's there's a there's a role for there, not a role, but but certainly um, Gentiles should um, be be you know it should be celebrated that Gentiles are celebrating the holy days. Now, at this point in history, let's be real honest: we don't have a halakhic guide for Gentile observance of the holy days. We don't have a detailed you know, Gentiles do this, Gentiles do that. Don't make the, please don't make the mistake of thinking that the Didache or the letters of Paul, um, 
you know, have fleshed this question out sufficiently to, to provide really clear guidelines, um, it's just not the case. Um, so on a practical level, I think Gentiles, uh, as we think about Gentile observance of the Holy Days, I think Gentiles are welcome to take on as much observance as they feel led to take on when it comes to the Holy Days. But very importantly, they have no covenant obligation to do so. So how's that going to look and flesh out? It's going to look different. Again, I know that some of you may be thinking, gosh, I just wish there was more clarity. And some of you are thinking, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. Like, what am I obligated to? I, I get that. And as a Messianic rabbi with with lots of Gentiles in my congregation, um, I, I understand that. But we just have to respect where we are in the process of redemptive history. I mean, it's a wonderful thing that Gentiles in this generation are reclaiming and are reconnecting with the holy days uh you know in 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 huge numbers that is progress but we're not at the point where we can you know suggest specific details of observance like we can for jews it's just just, we just don't have that at this point we will eventually um and certainly when yeshua comes uh but um but we're not there yet so just a few practical thoughts along this line for Gentiles in a messianic synagogue, in a messianic synagogue like ours, a Tikvah David, Gentile observance of the holy days will likely involve a greater de- degree of observance. I have, you know, I, as we know here at Tikvah David, we've got some, you know, Gentiles that are that are very observant, um, not trying to appropriate Jewish identity, but just feeling a connection and, and feeling led to take on, you know, build a sukkah according to kosher standards and. You know, have a have a kosher for Passover home. Um, again, I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, now, for Gentiles who are in churches, or maybe um, you know, just in hey, look, celebrating the holy days is likely not going to look, um, it you know, in the same way. It's going to look a little bit different. Um, it may it may just um, you know, again, I don't want to create uh, a a mindset that that certain observances of the Holy Days are better than others. I'm just more saying that there's room for uh, different uh, different um, ways of expressing uh, a connection to the Holy Days. So I think there's a place for, uh, for a diversity of, of observances when it comes to Gentiles and the Holy Days. And I think we should encourage Gentiles, wherever they are, to consider the value of incorporating the Holy Days into their practice as disciples. Okay, so uh, back to the original question. I understand there are some who object to Gentiles celebrating the Holy Days uh, in general because, again, the thought is these Holy Days are for Jews. And so when a Gentile, you know, has a Passover Seder, it's crossing a line. uh, And so that's the objection, at least. But, um, you know, here's a question, I think a good point that Daniel Lancaster raises uh, in his new book uh, called The Holy Days, which I highly recommend. You can get it on the First Fruits of Zion web store at ffoz.com. Little plug there for my uh, for, for uh, First Fruits of Zion. But let me, let me just share this quote with you from Daniel's book. He says, quote, Open your Bible and try to find the appointed times that God has specifically assigned to the Gentile disciples. Did he give Christians new holidays? Even if you search your whole Bible, you will never find alternative festival days for Gentile disciples. Neither does the Bible encourage the Gentile disciples to make up their own holy days. 
If we say the Gentile disciples are not allowed to keep God's appointed times, then we suggest that Gentiles are not given any holy days or days of worship at all. The apostles never commanded the Gentile believers to keep the appointed times, but neither did they tell them not to observe them. So, end of quote from Daniel Lancaster, again from his book, The Holy Days. So, if Gentiles have been adopted and grafted into the family of Abraham through Yeshua, it really makes sense that we would share in the family holy times together. And as we know, this reality, this movement of Gentiles incorporating the holy days into their expression and life as Christians or Messianic Gentiles, that movement is growing, and I believe it will continue to grow. Um, I even have a, a friend um, who is actually Orthodox Jewish, David Neckerman, um, and he has a new book coming out in November called Shabbat for Christians. You know, again, that's written by a Orthodox Jewish uh, man, and so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to reading David's book on that. I'm sure it's going to be helpful. Okay, so let's finish this up today. Um, I, I would like to discuss briefly the prophetic and/or messianic fulfillment of the holidays. Again, that's you know again part of the why do we as disciples of Yeshua celebrate the holiday hol- the holy days? Well, I think when Paul said that the holy days are a shadow of what is to come and the substance belongs to Christ, there in Colossians two, he's making a direct connection between the holy days and Yeshua. Now, sadly, some Christian translations obscure and undermine this link between the holy days and uh, Yeshua. And I think this, uh, this, uh, these translations that obscure this connection, uh, it's sadly based on theological presuppositions. For example, the NIV translates Colossians 2.17 in this way. It says, these, speaking of these holy days mentioned in verse 16 of Colossians 2, these are a shadow of the things to come or the shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So this translation really uses amped up language that goes well beyond the original Greek. And it's basically saying that the holy days no longer have significance. They were a shadow. It says these are a shadow of the things that were to come. And it creates, and it says the reality, however, is found in Christ. It really does. The language there creates a contrast between the shadow and Christ. But the literal translation of Colossians 2.17, it says these are shadows of things that are to come. They are the body of Messiah. That's the literal Greek. So my point is that many translations assume that Christ replaces the Torah and the holy days included therein. And that's reflected in translation. I mean, even the, the NASB, New American Standard Translation, inserts the word mere. So these are a mere shadow. Um, and, and again, when you, when you use that kind of language, when you add that, you're really creating a, it's, it's more of an interpretation. And I get it. With translation, every translation involves interpretation because uh, you're doing your best to try to bring it over and into, into English and you know, in, in, a, in a way that makes sense and is meaningful and you have to make those kinds of decision, decisions. But the point is, is that the adding the word mirror before shadows in Colossians 2.17 that the NASB does, it really makes it dismissive of the shadows. They're just mere shadows. So the point is that the holy days, I think in Paul's mind, had a direct connection on a prophetic level to Yeshua. These are a shadow of the things that are to come. They are the body of Messiah. So let's quickly discuss that. What are these connections? So we're going to go through this lightning click. 
Um, but I think that uh, you'll you'll this will be a good review or maybe something new for you. So connection Shabbat. So I'm going to go through just the seven holy days that are mentioned in Leviticus 26. Uh, or Leviticus 23, excuse me, Shabbat connect, you know, connects us to the kingdom of heaven. The, the, the rest that we experience on Shabbat is a foretaste of the rest of the kingdom. Passover, of course, uh, connects to Yeshua's death. First fruits, the early first fruits during the week of Passover uh, connects to Yeshua's resurrection, as Paul articulates in 1 Corinthians 15, Shavuot. Um, also known as Pentecost, connects, of course, to the giving of the Spirit. The Feast of Trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah, connects to Yeshua's return. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come, but of course, uh, the, the Feast of Trumpets um, reminds us of Yeshua returning with the sound of a trumpet. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, connects to the coming judgment, as it is a day of judgment. And Sukkot, the Feast of Booze, connects to the joy and the provision of the Kingdom of Heaven. So we're going to discuss um, the connections, those connections, with at least with the fall holidays as we go through these next few weeks. But as you can see by looking at that, li- or by, by listening to that list I just articulated, it's interesting that the spring holidays, uh, Passover, first early first fruits, and Shavuot, which is the later first fruits, um, they all pertain to Yeshua's first coming, and the fall holidays connect to Yeshua's second coming. Uh, as you know, the the Feast of Trumpets is is Yeshua's return with the sound of the trumpet, and then the Day of Judgment uh, with with um, Yom Kippur, and then the joy of the kingdom with Sukkot. Uh, again, these are things that we're getting ready to celebrate this fall, but that also connect to have a deep prophetic significance as we think about Yeshua's return. So, lots of good reasons to celebrate the holy days of the Bible. We need the holiday holy days to draw us closer to Hashem, to Yeshua, and to each other. And I pray that that is exactly what will happen for us at Tikvat David this fall. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this audio message from Tikvat David Messianic Synagogue. We would love to get to meet you in person sometime at the synagogue, so come join us for Shabbat or one of the holidays. Also, you can join us in building Messianic Judaism, whether you live in the Atlanta area or far away, by financially contributing to our synagogue. You can learn about the options for giving under the Donate tab at tikvatdavid.org. At Tikvat David, we would love to have you stand with us as we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. Shalom.